0: Adventures podcast. We're gonna talk hunting, fishing, and everything outdoors. So pull up a seat and enjoy our campfire stories. Thanks for joining us. Hey guys, what's going on? Thanks for joining me again for another episode of Appalachian Timber Ghost Outdoor Adventures Podcast. Uh for you for those of you who have been following, it's much appreciated. Uh, my last podcast, I talked about how this one I was going to talk about, you know, a few current events that happened and, uh, just wanted to touch on them quick, but for the most part, I'm going to be moving on to ice fishing. Yeah, baby. Been looking forward for a long time and, uh, I'll tell you about some of the gear that I picked up this year. Um where I'm going to be heading out to what my plans are but first like I said I wanted to get into the current events because there's been some uh, crazy stuff being talked about a couple good articles I saw first one I want to touch in which is is local here to New York Um, I live in the Catskill Mountains Um, this came out probably the end of December I guess a couple of D.P. officers. I used to actually do security at uh, a DEP site over in uh, Gilboa. And for sure, they do a great deal with protecting the eagles there. Um, I actually got to encounter, and I actually have footage of it, as well as pictures, of an eagle taking a feral cat. And that was pretty wild, man. Um, but, you know, the DEP watersheds, they hold a lot of eagles on them. Um, I have a boat on a show can. I've seen eagles every time I go there. But I guess a couple of officers found an eagle, and it was uh, in pretty rough shape. And they ended up bringing it to Friends of the Feathered and Furry Wildlife Center in Hunter. Uh, if any of you guys know Hunter Mountain, their ski resort. They hold a lot of concerts there. Taste the Country uh, was usually there. But the bird was found near the Cannonville, uh, Cannonsville Reservoir uh, in Delaware County. Now, for all you guys that don't really know the area, these uh, reservoirs are in the Catskill Mountains. They're, You know, as far as elevation in New York, they're high elevation, uh, very remote, um, where New York City at one point, you know, flooded a bunch of towns to supply New York City, which from the Catskills, you're talking close to 100 miles probably, depending on which reservoir you're talking. Um, but the irony I found, needless to say, I believe the bird ended up succumbing a couple of days later to whatever shape it was in. But the article in Times Union... I won't even get into how I really feel about the newspaper. <laughs> like I said, we try not to get too political here. Um, I think we all know about most media these days, uh, which way they like to lean. But uh, So one of the people there, um, I'm not going to get into names. I'm just going to touch on the article and how I feel about it, um, which, like I said, I, you know, no matter what you say, whether you're right or left, There's going to be an argument about it. Uh, But this person was quoted as saying, I tested it for lead levels, and the levels were off the chart. Now, at the beginning, you know, uh, the the title of this was Get the Lead Out, Trying to Change Hunter's Ammo of Choice to Save Wild Birds. And it says a Catskills Wildlife Refuge is leading the charge for hunters to switch to non-lead bullets shells but change isn't easy well those of us who hunt and fish now like I said this was at the end of this past year 2021 Um, I myself have been shooting steel shot for waterfowl for a very long time Um, not to say that there's not lead out there but um, I've made the switch uh, you know to high-speed steel and I literally use it turkey hunting now. I, you know, years ago, when a certain person was getting into office, you know, there was that mad craze to buy everything up because we were worried about losing our guns and all that stuff. So at the time, uh, I had bought a big pack of this high-speed steel, which up to years later I'm still using it, you know, because I don't go out and just shoot. Um, I basically, you know, well maybe do a couple shots for target and i'm in the woods but you know as well as lead like lead we haven't been able to buy lead in stores for a long time so that's where i find the the um the irony with this this particular article because you know they're acting like you know this big change has been has to happen and it already has happened uh, they talk about the American Bird Conservancy. And I, I, hey, here's the deal, dude. <laughs> I I agree. Like you know, you hear the, the different ways that you know uh, waterfowl can pick up lead, and I get that. But the fact that they brought a sick bird to this place and that's the first thing they tested. Now, I hunt, I fish, DEP watersheds, and I do not believe. I even looked it up. I've never hunted waterfowl there. But I can't imagine me being able to take my boat out on that reservoir and setting up decoys to shoot waterfowl. So that being said, even if I was to be using lead shot, how's the lead getting in there to kill that eagle that you're claiming could be coming from hunters? (laughs) Uh, Like I said, I'm not doubting that lead could make animals sick You know, if they're, you know, eating, you know, somehow they pick up lead. I get that. But I just thought, like, nothing with this article, to me personally, and I'm not an expert, but um, I just don't feel like that is the Um, truth. Because in one part of this article, it says, in the case of the eagle... I'm not, Like I said, I'm, I'm leaving names out. I'm not making fa- people famous, <laughs> nor am I going to talk about them. But in the case of the eagle at blah, blah, blah's wildlife center, he thinks the bird of prey may have fed on lead-peppered entrails left by a hunter after field dressing an animal or on a carcass left by the state wildlife agents after killing a deer. Or other wounded animal. So here he's even blaming, like, you know, DEC. You know, like an officer that comes by and or, or uh, even like a deputy sheriff, a trooper, whatever. they got to come and, you know, say a deer's on the side of the road. Um. <laughs> so if I shoot a deer in the head, how does it end up in the entrails? Okay. Let's just go. Let's go with that. Like they said. Um, yeah. That's what that's what's totally ridiculous to me, um especially you know a bigger bullet like i let's just even say that you know he's gonna peck on the brain <laughs> is he really gonna chomp down like a nine millimeter bullet uh I just nothing adds up with this. It just sounds like somebody who's got uh their own point of view and they're looking at skewing it one way or the other. Because, like I said, you know, he talks about the entrails of a of field dressing an animal. But it's like, let's face it, we're using, like, for me, I'm using a copper solid. It's a big bullet. And uh, most of the time I get passed through. So I'm calling BS on that point. But also, what I wanted to talk, what go, loop back to was. I don't believe you can actually hunt waterfowl or anything on the reservoir. But you know what? I did my research, and this actually came from the EPA. And, uh, you know, I said, now how would uh, you get lead in your water? Or even in the reservoirs for that, mo- that point. Well, lo and behold, you get it from uh, plumbing breakdown. You know, your pipes, lead pipes. Now, I'm not sure, like, how they transport the water through the aqueducts for these reservoirs. And they were built a long time ago. Could it be lead? And even at that, I mean, come on, man. You know how big those reservoirs are? Is is this literally going to be, like, to the point where even the breakdown of uh, an aqueduct, is going to create that much lead in the water where this guy says, oh, I'm finding, you know, lead off the charts. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. And the amount of, like, waterfowl hunting in the reservoirs, um, not to say, like I said, that it can't happen. Absolutely it could. But... I mean, immediately his testing goes right to, you know, like hunting or the wildlife agents killing a deer or other wounded animals. I mean, this guy's, he's targeting precisely and at certain things. And I just, I call BS on it. So, that being said, I'm going to move to our next article. Because <laughs> that one kind of irritates me. But I, I just felt it had to be talked about because... I'd love to sit down and have a, like I said, I'm not an expert on anything I talk about. I might know a bit and have some pretty good, uh, you know, ideas of my own and not to say that I'm completely wrong. But this is going out, out west, actually. Uh commercial fisherman, a repeat offender under the Fisheries Act of Canada was given a lifetime fishing ban and was prohibited from ever being on board a fishing vessel ever again. The British Columbia Supreme Court in Vancouver ruled. Uh, This guy, Matt Steer, has been convicted multiple times for illegally fishing over the last decade. Uh, The latest conviction from May 14, 2021 in Vancouver Provincial Court. So this guy was arrested early morning uh he was literally fishing for crab in Vancouver at Vancouver harbor uh, and he took officers on a high speed chase through the harbor before stopping being arrested on the vessel with approximately two hundred and fifty live crabs and they were later re- released but uh this guy was Fishing without a license and fishing during a closed season. He was in possession of, you know, illegally caught crabs. And he was also found to be in breach of a court order prohibiting him from being on board a fishing vessel or in possession of fishing equipment. Now this comes out of, uh, I got this from Yahoo. The uh, judge additionally banned him from involvement in the purchasing of sale or fish, including brokering for five years. He can't even be on a vessel. <laughs> it's like, you know, this guy's like, he's banned. Uh, but it's just, you know, you, we we were, I was talking with a couple buddies one day about, um, people are always going to do illegal shit. You know, it's like, you're never going to stop it. Um, and depending on like the, the amount, like, let's just say this was a huge trawler, you know, like, like somebody really had some big this, and, uh, you know, you're just like literally raping the ocean or wherever, you know. Um, I think I talked about it in one of my podcasts during striper season last year about, you know, they caught guys up, up in the uh, tributaries, you know, slamming herring. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, you can't miss it and shad and stuff like that uh just a bad deal and it i don't think it bodes well like going back to the other article about the eagle you know you tell that to somebody who's got their opinion on fishing and hunting and they're gonna run with this kind of stuff um which isn't good you know um but i want to you know move on because i want to get to the ice fishing part of this podcast um so I don't know if any of you guys heard this, but in Hudson, Ohio, a (laughs) a mayor argues that ice fishing will directly lead to prostitution. Uh, You just can't make it up, you know, the the stuff that these people come up with. I'm going to play a little clip of this. Additionally, if you open this up to ice fishing, while on the surface it sounds good... Then what happens next year? Does someone come back and say, I want an ice shanty on Hudson Springs Park for X amount of time? And if you then allow ice fishing with shanties, then that leads to another problem. Prostitution. And now you got the police chief and the police department involved. Just data points to consider. Okay. Okay. So I'm not in favor of shanties. <laughs> I have well. one more. I was laughing. Uh, Nicole, so if- This right here, <laughs> uh, yeah, that is absurd to me, man. That this guy's even thinking this kind of stuff. And I've always said, like, I'm not going to get too much into politics on here, but it's almost hard to avoid anymore. And I, I you know. <laughs> And uh the sad part is there's probably people that agree with, with what he's saying and it's it's mind boggling. Um, so that'd be a good reason why not to let this happen, right? Or I don't know, I don't even know the deal with the Hudson Park thing or whatever he's talking about, but just the, the fact of what came out of this guy's mouth is like utterly stupid and ridiculous. I mean, if you guys get a chance to watch the clip, if you look to the to, next to the one, the guy's face as he's saying it is just like you know, I I'm going to I'm going to speak for what's going through his mind. You can't fix stupid. And people vote these people in into office to tell us how to run our lives. I think uh a lot of New Yorkers get it. But at the same time like I've said to colleagues and friends, it's like but the sad part is as much as majority of people think these people are insane there's an insane amount of people who vote for them and we might even maybe you know they voted for them for some one platform but i mean how do you not step back and and really listen to what that guy just said and, say, and saying that if you let shanties and i out for ice fishing that it's going to lead to prostitution <laughs> so we're just gonna leave it at that um i just like i said i i can't even at this point so we're gonna jump right into ice fishing since we're on that topic um i've probably talked to you guys about how last year i got back into ice fishing for the first time in probably 20 something years since i was a kid um it was just, you know, you do a lot of sitting during the winter time and uh, I saw on public, you know, social media, all these guys catching these great fish. And now that I live up in the Catskills, I'm closer to these great fisheries, which for a long time, my wife will tell you, like, even though I lived up in this area, it was like I always seemed to run back to Dutchess County, you know, because that's where I knew, that's where everything I knew was, my friends, all that. But last year I went up one day. It was an awful day. It was really windy. Uh, I did go out on Lake George um, because I saw these guys are catching just beautiful lake trout and uh, salmon. So I gave it a shot, but um, I just didn't have the gear. You know, I had a couple things left over from 20-something years ago. I had a couple tip-ups, a little rod, but, you know, you see what what people are using these days and especially on these brutal days where you want to kind of stay warm and comfortable. And I get that because most of the times I've sat all day, it's either been in like a blind, you know, that was heated or like that. When I talked about the last podcast, when I went to the Adirondacks and it rained, I had a beautiful little, uh, I took tarps and my hiking poles, my trekking poles, and made, like, a little shanty to keep out of the rain. But, so this year, I, you know, I uh, I looked at all the different, you know, the hubs, the shelters, and, you know, the one thing I, I can say is, like, you know, say clam might have a, a really cool feature on theirs, and then otter has another one. It was a real tough decision for me to pick one out. Um, I was definitely interested in, you know, possibly getting the, you know, the flip overs. But then I'm looking at a lot of guys, you know, depending on where you're you're accessing, it could be very steep. So, you know, um, I'm not sure on how heavy it is. Like, I've seen guys on YouTube doing modifications, and they would admit, like, you know, they're kind of heavy. Uh... Some guys have like quads or snowmobiles, tow these things around. I'm not there. So basically what um, I wanted to do was just pick up like a a hub shelter. I have a jet sled. I did jet sled modifications. If you guys check out on my YouTube channel, uh, I got a lot of different stuff going on with fixing up my jet sled, which I used to use for deer hunting. And what I did is I – I think I've talked about this before on the podcast where I took some ideas that I got from like Michael Lopez who is from Tiny Boat Nation. I had Michael on the podcast where he would fix up um, like John Boats and stuff like that and make them into like bass trackers. So I made uh, a couple doors. It was basically uh, one time last year I did pull my – Jet slid out and I got it full of snow because it was snowing out. So I wanted to put doors on it and weather it in. I made a rod locker, put lighting on it on the inside with a rod locker so I could see inside. I have uh, chargers for cell phones, but basically I wanted to get a hub that was big enough where if I wanted to have a you know a friend or two, I could. And the length of it in its actual bag. Would be the same length as my jet sled. And I found that in the. Otter Vortex cabin thermal. Um, It's a three man. Two three man. And it fits perfectly. On my jet sled. Because most of the time. I am probably going to be fishing by myself. This way it will give me plenty of room. And if I do decide. Like I want to camp out overnight. I got enough room for my cot. And you know. We can just chill out and be comfortable. So I ended up picking the Otter because, um, and like I said, you know, they might've upgraded their stuff, but the one thing is they had, you know, rod holders on the walls on each side, um, little, you know, like mesh holders for stuff like your wallet, your cell phone. Uh, they did have a hole for if you wanted to have a bigger propane tank for like your buddy heater That you could have the tank outside and feed it through this little propane uh, port. Uh, It had plenty of vents. It also had the windows where you could take the plastic out, which I really liked. Um, So if I wanted to get fresh air in there on a warmer day, I could. Uh, It also came with, which I thought was really cool for safety-wise, like a safety beacon for the top. And it's... It's a photo sensor where as soon as it gets dark, it'll start flashing an orange light. So I just thought it was a really, really sweet hub for what I was looking for. So I ended up buying the Outer Vortex cabin. Uh, Another thing... uh, Not so much on ponds when I was a kid, but when we get on, we used to go out to Whaley Lake. It was out in Pauling, New York, where I grew up as a kid. And uh, when I got on the bigger bodies of water, I definitely started thinking about the whole falling thing through. (laughs) I started thinking more about that falling in stuff. Uh, Lake George last year, I had a, a crack go right under me and like crack right where I was at. That freaked me out um because it was at towards the end of the year too so you're starting to see a lot of pressure ridges um i'll get into that i'll do a podcast on ice safety down the road because like i said i'm a nervous wreck on ice for the most part but i definitely want to do it so what i did is i got the clam ice armor motion float suit um because i, I figured if i did fall in it would i'd have something to assist me floating because I, I, t- I think I talked about this last year on a podcast where a guy came into my work and he had this beautiful ice fishing jacket on. And it was the wintertime, obviously, because he had a jacket on. But I said, oh, it's a sweet jacket. You know, you do, uh, do a lot of ice fishing. And he looked at me and he said, I haven't been in quite a number of years because I was with a friend of mine. And he went through the ice on his quad and died when I was there with him. So, you know, trying to bring up ice fishing through, like, the cool jacket, this guy quickly went to, like, sorry to hear that, <laughs> you know. Um, but at the same time, I get it. It's like, you know, that's the deal. You could definitely fall through. Um, even, like, the other day, that's why I haven't gone yet because I, I want to wait, make sure, like, the we just had a real good cold freeze and the ice, it's really good now. But uh, Saratoga last week. A guy in a Silverado went through the ice. You know, it was only eight inches, though. But here, here's the picture of them towing this beautiful Silverado out of the water. <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah. So, another couple things I got was the, uh, I bought, years ago I bought for uh, salmon fishing, the whooping stick. Now Cabela's has them as well, but it was ma- ma- basically a Bass Pro's uh, rod. They're really cheap. It was a 10-foot rod, um, but I landed some salmon with this thing, and I think it was like a $30 rod, 10-foot rod. Um, I think maybe, I forget that what the weight of it was, but the fact is, it was an amazing rod, and I landed some salmon with it. So I noticed that and Stick was making an ice combo, 28-inch rod, medium. Uh, it has a 4.8 by one gear ratio. I got to look into that more too because I know my other ice fishing rod, I put a lot a a little bit bigger of uh, a reel on it. Because I want to run like a heavier test um, because I plan on catching some big fish. But this, uh, the the reel, if you know you're going for smaller fish, 4 pound test will hold 120 yards, 6 pound, 100 yards. An eight-pound six D yards of line, so I'm guessing I want to do at least six-pound test. Um, I remember watching a video years ago where a guy was a tarpon fisherman, and he uh, he explained like I want to say it was six-pound test. Depending on how you you utilize your rod, he you could lift a five five-gallon bucket of water up. It was pretty impressive uh but so yeah that was a i think a 20 twenty dollar rod setup so i'm looking forward to utilizing that um i also got this little you know i i got on this site on facebook it's called uh, trick your hub and i guess the problem with the propane is it, it gives off a lot of moisture so guys were talking about using fans to keep the air moving, and I found this cool little fan from a, a guy on, on Trick Your Hub. It's Coal or FrizzCool. It's a USB rechargeable fan, and it also has a light built into it. So not a, I could use it for light in my hub as well as to move the air around and keep it from getting too much moisture. I uh, I also got some glow in the dark jigs. I plan on doing live bait, but I did buy some jigs and I got the uh. Almost forgot because I did a video on it. The Garmin Striker 4 Plus. So you have the flasher and it's got the ice deucer. Um. So I'm I'm stoked, man. I was supposed to get it the last couple weekends, but I've been spending time with the wife. You know what they say: happy happy wife, happy life. Um. But next week, I plan on getting out there. I even possibly might be going out there uh, after work to Lake George just to get out for a couple hours and see what's going on with that. But, yeah, that's it for what I'm using for gear as far as I can remember. If I remember any, I'll let you guys know for sure because, like, I'm, I'm guessing... In the future here my podcast can be geared around some ice fishing uh, there's definitely a bunch of tournaments also um, I wanted to get on great Sagandaga because I see there's guys slaying the, the northern pikes and they're big they're 45 inch so I'd really like to get into one of those fish because um, there's nothing like fighting a huge fish. It's like I was saying, going back to salmon fishing, it's like you're in this little river, and when you get a 26 pound fish on that's just got just so powerful, it's it's truly a, just a rush, you know? And then if you're going to eat the meat, that's a plus too. But one thing I, I was seeing too is, uh, with the pike and the Lakers, especially out of the Lakers in Lake George, you know, they, they try to promote putting all the fish back. And I, and I read an article on something with that, and they were saying, like, you know, those bigger fish, it takes a few years for them to get that big. And depending on what fish size fish you're taking out, you're taking away from that trophy class of fish. So any bigger fish, I'm probably going to be putting back, you know. Um, I even you know last year I did that video and I caught that it was a little over 5 pound almost 6 pound brown trout and I took it home to eat it and I'm almost wondering if it was the actual size of the fish but I didn't for the first time I didn't enjoy my trout and uh, I was really bummed but then I'm you know they it was thought the smaller tr- you know trout being the better better eaters so maybe i'll start switching up my tech tact- tactics as far as keeping uh, what i keep do some more research on that well guys want to wrap it up there because um, i've been grinding at this podcast thing all day is that i actually did a double shot so i'm probably going to get back to trying to get at least one podcast out a week again um, it's tough, though, and I, you know, because like I said, trying to just land the guests, it can prove to be uh, pretty trying at times. And it's a lot of work, coinciding schedules and all that jazz. But, guys, thanks for joining me again. For those of you who are following me religiously, it's much appreciated, man. And go check out my YouTube channel because um, if you're looking at certain you know gear to buy i may just have done a review on the type of thing you're looking for and maybe i can be helpful to that all right peace out this episode of appalachian timber ghost outdoor adventures podcast was brought to you by wild kingdom so check us out on facebook and instagram On the floor, and then 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 on the floor, and then 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 the floor, and then